Hey, good morning, Silverdale Lutheran friends and community. Uh, I just want to thank you on behalf of all of your staff, but also the whole congregation for how you're kind of coming together and helping each other, the phone calls that people are making, the trips to the grocery store or pharmacy that people are making for each other. I've been I've seen the Lord at work um, in the way we're coming together around this crisis. So um, thanks be to God for that. And so continued prayers for all of you from all of your leadership. And, and I know you're praying for us. And like I say, we're all in this together. And not only as a church, but as a nation. And so let's do come together. Um, in this time of crisis, and I think that's what God's doing in our midst. Just a couple quick things. Um, if you want to do some help of some other people and you're available, um, you'll hear an opportunity a little later in the service day to do that. Um, but I also just want to make a plea. Um, I, we don't read our emails much anymore because we get so many of them, but that's really the way we're going to stay connected with you in this time. So please look for that email. Um, we're putting out almost a daily devotion, uh, audio devotion right now, and that's delivered to you via your email and a link. Um, you can also access it through other means. But um, so to wait, the way to stay connected is to really tune into those emails. And there's a really important one that just came out in a letter coming out too about, of course, our financial situation, just like everybody's struggling and businesses and nonprofits all over the place. So there's, a, there's some info about that as well. But mainly, I just want to greet you and thank you for being with us in worship today. And may worship truly uh, connect you to Christ and keep you loving your neighbor. We are the church in all times and particularly in this time. Whether we gather as families in our homes, whether we are sitting alone with a phone in our hand or listening on a CD, the Holy Spirit makes us one and makes us the church. So welcome in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the season of Lent, and Lent is a time to reflect on our need for God's grace, our need for wholeness, our need for restoration in our relationships, and our need for God's presence in our lives. Please join now in a few moments of silence as we come before God and prepare our hearts and minds to worship.
for his sake, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
Bend your ear to our prayers, Lord Christ, and come among us. By your gracious life and death for us, bring light into the darkness of our hearts and anoint us with your spirit. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right, so we want to invite all the kids to come on up. Um, we're going to have our little kids' sermon now. And um, so if they're out in some other room or watching, um, let's get those uh, kiddos and young people uh, up, up here. And I'm kind of kneeling down by the font here because I want to talk to you about the gift of baptism and, and what happened when you were baptized. And I want to just kind of have fun and use this yo-yo and to talk to you about baptism. Because a blind man is going to get washed into some water today, and that's a really important connection to baptism. So um, let's think about my hand as if it's God. And God, we are in God's hand, and the yo-yo, of course, is you. Um, but there's something that connects. There's something that connects the yo-yo to um, God, connects you to God, and that is the string, and I'd like you to think about baptism as that gift. You know, we go and live our lives, and we are, have the promise we are always connected to God. No matter where we go in life, we know we're connected. In fact, I would say, see if I can, that even when you were a baby in a crib, you were connected to God because maybe you even received baptism as a young person. Um, you go out for a walk, whoa! You go out for a walk, wherever you go, you are connected to God. I suppose it's true, if I can get this to work, you walk in your dog, uh, you're connected to God. Um, the promise of your baptism is that no matter what happens in life, there's that connection. God's got hold of you, um, even when maybe it doesn't seem like that's true. And in fact, there's a wonderful text that in the Psalms that says that no matter where we go, we can go anywhere, um, we are still connected to God. You can't escape it. You can go all the way around the world and still be connected to God. So when... Today, when I want you, we're going to hear this story of a blind man who went to some water and was given his sight. I want you to think about your baptism. And in fact, I think it'd be cool if Justin and I pulled out a guitar and a bass and sang that awesome song, Blind Man. by the way 
The man they called Jesus made mud and smoothed it over my eyes and told me, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is this man, this man named Jesus, now? I don't know. Then they took the man to the Pharisees. Now as it happened, Jesus had healed the man on a Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them. He smoothed the mud over my eyes, and when it washed away, I could see. This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. No ordinary sinner can do such miraculous things. He is not from God. Man whose eyes have been opened, who do you say he is? I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders wouldn't believe he had been blind, so they called in his parents. Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. He's old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. The mother said this because she was afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God by telling the truth, because we know Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do? How did he heal you? Look, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want me to hear it? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? You, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know anything about him. Why, that's very strange. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know anything about him? Well, God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Never since the world began has anyone been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do it. You were born in sin. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Because I would like to. You have seen him. He is speaking to you. Yes, Lord. I believe. I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim See. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, you, O Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight and be helpful and fruitful for our faith. 
Jesus' name. Amen. What an amazing reading from the ninth chapter of John. I just love this blind man. I just love him. I love his journey from going to being blind to being an ardent defender of Jesus and confessing faith in Jesus in these times where we're filled with so much fear and uncertainty and anxiety and where our normal lives have been so disrupted, I don't know about you, but I want to go along with that blind man. I want to, to have the same journey he did. I want to go from my blindness to faith. So let's walk along with him as we see so much going on in our world and certainly so much going on in this gospel reading. We start out with blindness. There's lots of kinds of blindness in the world. There's the physical kind of blindness that we heard about in our gospel reading today, but there's other kinds of blindness. Arrogance, the blindness of pride, the blindness of ignorance or inattention. I know for me, sometimes as I look around with so many voices and so much visual stimulation today, um, it's so hard to get our attention. And so people just keep fighting harder and harder to get our attention. They pay more and more money, millions of dollars, to get our attention for 30 seconds. And it kind of has made us, it's hard for us to pay attention. And it almost is blinding us. It's like too much light. Well, there's theological blindness and religious blindness and impermeability, where just light can't get in. Think about the blindness that this blind man was experiencing. He's walking along and, or the disciples are walking along and they see this blind man and they ask the horrible question, did this man sin or was it his parents? So not only was this guy blind, not only was he blind, but he has to live under the weight of a belief of his day that bad things happened to bad people. That there was a cause and effect relationship between calamity or something wrong and um, what happened to you. Well, I love that our Lord just blows that out of the water. He gives it no credence. He totally um, contradicts that. And he says, no, actually, this is going to serve the work of God today. frustrates me to no end to see how today so often even religious well-meaning people want to so clearly um, make connections between the bad stuff that happens and, and how we behave. Whether it's a virus or a tornado or an earthquake or a hurricane. Jesus died for our sins. And we believe that he took care of whatever punishment was coming our way. That's what he took on the cross. So if he did that, why would God be continuing to meter out punishment for individual stuff? We live in a broken world and bad things happen. And this man was born blind. And right now we're going through this horrible pandemic. Um, 
and we're all trying to scramble to take it seriously and not get totally consumed by fear, um, but bad things happen. And so Jesus steps right into that and he says, he gives a whole new way of looking at things. And then he tells the man what to do and the man receives his sight, but Jesus says something really clear and this is in the Gospel of John, um, there's the first level, every story has multiple levels and the first level is simple and it's clear and it's straightforward. Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, the light, triumphs over darkness and to show us that, to make sure we know that's the truth, even in the midst of our most awful darkness, he heals a man who was born blind from birth. No one's ever done that. That's what the blind man will say a little bit later. No one has ever, ever done that. It shows who Jesus is. He's, he's the, not just the prophet, but he's God, and he is the light of the world. And so he brings forth sight from this man born blind. It tells us who he is, who Jesus is, and that the light triumphs over the darkness. If we went no further than this, that would be enough for us to know who Jesus is. But John beautifully tells us some wonderful details to this story. So John tells us that Jesus took some dirt, some clay, and he spit on it and made some mud, some clay, and he put it on his eyes. I love this. One, um, because when you think about clay and, and, um, and, you know, I don't think we need to get too into the spittle thing, water. <laughs> um, in Jerusalem, there wasn't water just everywhere around. We're going to get to the Pool of Siloam in a minute. But so he makes some mud, makes some clay, and I can't help but think of creation. So it's an interesting detail that maybe there's a connection that what's going to happen for this blind man is kind of like when God created us in the first place. That there's going to be a new creation here. But then he says, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So notice what are the other elements that John tells us about. Jesus says a word. He says, go and do this. So we've got Jesus' word, and we've got water. Now that's an amazing connection to me. We've got water and the word. It's very interesting. From early catacomb Christian art, so going way back, that the story of the blind man is often depicted, but it's almost always depicted in connection with baptism. And in fact, as I've come to read and know about some of the history of the baptismal rite in the church, that catechumens used to study up for a long time, and then they would have like three um, examinations, if you will. And on the third one, after they confessed their faith, guess what scripture reading was read? John 9, about this blind man uh, who was born blind from birth and then goes to the water and is given sight. Well, my goodness, I can't help but think about our baptism. 
just like those early Christians did. That in baptism, you um, were given sight, you were given faith, you were given the ability to believe in the waters of baptism. Now that, that's where we can start to enter the blind man's story. Because just like the blind man, not because of any choice of our own, not because of we mustering up ourselves and our righteousness. No, we are we blind, completely blind, completely inept. Jesus comes to us in the waters of baptism and opens our eyes and gives us faith. And that is a promise that I can hang on to every day, especially in this time. So when, when we think about our story and the blind man's story, I think they come together in baptism. And in fact, think about a couple other details. This pool that Jesus sends the blind man to is actually called Sent. Now the pool of Siloam was quite a ways from the temple. You had to walk down um, through Jerusalem to it. And it was a big, um, you almost want to think of like a public swimming pool. It was pretty and it had a bunch of steps that came in from each side so people could walk down into the pool. It was fed by the Gihon Spring that was outside of Jerusalem. Um, that was the water source for Jerusalem. And, and so people would go there. It was a big public place. And it was called the Pool of Siloam. Sent. Now if you look at the Gospel of John and you think about how Jesus talked about himself, one of the things in the Gospel of John that we hear over and over is that Jesus is the one sent from God. So Jesus tells this blind man to go and wash at the pool called Sent, and who is Jesus? He is the one who was sent from God. But even more than that, if you can believe it, few chapters before this, in chapter 7 of John, we hear about the um, Feast of the Tabernacles. And in Jesus' day, I won't go into the whole elaborate ceremony, but it lasted many days. And in the final day, the priests would march down and fill up all kinds of containers, um, and, and one big container in particular, and go march all the way back up to the temple. And that's where Jesus was teaching in the 7th chapter of John. March up. And then they pour this water over um, the, uh, the altar. And it's right at that point that Jesus says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. Jesus is the living water of life. So Jesus told you know, the folks he's the water of life from as they poured water from the pool of Siloam. Man, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. What is John's intent? I think John's intent is to, to bring us into the story at this point and, and for us to all celebrate that we, though we were blind because of the act of Jesus and our washing of baptism and the faith of our baptism, we now have been given sight and we can see and we can hold on our whole life that we are connected um, to um, the light of the world, to the water of life. Well, what do we do now? <laughs> well, what, is, what did the blind man do once he got his sight? He simply started to say what happened to him. And I, it's interesting that there's this opposition that comes um, towards him. And so he keeps 
moving into a deeper place of faith. But at first, all he does is just say what's been done for him. You know, when I think about Lutheran Christians, that we're a little bit more shy in telling our story than maybe some other Christians of other traditions. Um, that might be true. I hear that's true. I'm not sure I buy it, but, but it might be true. But, but, you know, sometimes people ask, are you born again? Are you this or that? When did you come to believe? Before we even get there, I think all we have to say is, you know what? God in Christ took hold of me and claimed me. He, God, this is what God did for me. And that's all the blind man's doing. Once I was blind, and now I see. I don't know. You go ask him. I mean, I, it's just comical, the, the banter back and forth with the Pharisees. But all he did was say, this is what's happened to me. Well, that's what we do when we tell our story. But of course, the blind man doesn't just stop there. He goes on and he says, well, he's a prophet. He must be a prophet. But, but things don't end there. And now is when we have to talk about the most difficult part of this passage. And that's the opposition that Jesus faces and the blind man faces from the religious leaders. The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day, according to all four Gospels, have a real problem with Jesus. And we would totally miss the point of this if we um, said that it was those Jewish leaders that are the problem. If we don't connect this point in the story to those Jewish leaders, then we are missing the point. Because I don't know about you, but I know my hard-heartedness. And I know I've got a lot of resistance to God's grace and mercy in my life. I want to be in charge. I want to do it on my own. When you think about um, those Pharisees, I think about the word impermeable. They won't let anything in. They won't let anything in. I mean, maybe you're listening to this and you are struggling with faith in general, but I, I just pray that you'll be at least open to the possibility. Don't be impermeable to the possibility that this Jesus is really raised from the dead and he is the self-revelation. At least give that a, a chance, because what I run into a lot is a lot of people, whether it's because of philosophy or psychology or anthropology or any of their studies or it's something this person has said or that person has said or some, because they have some questions that they haven't been able to have answered, um, they shut themselves off from the possibility of believing. And that's what we see the Pharisees doing. Um, as the blind man gets his sight and comes to faith, the Pharisees religious leaders, they keep getting harder and harder and harder. And I, I don't know exactly why they had such resistance, but I think I can relate in this way. I think about a time, I don't know why I remember this, but I, I think it was an erector set they called them back when I was a kid. And, and I was trying to build this really cool thing, and I couldn't get this part to fit in that part. And if you know me at all. Yeah, why I became a pastor is I was, I was horrible at math and engineering anyway, but um, you know, I just couldn't get it to work, and my mom wanted to help me, and I, and I can remember her trying to say, Billy, let me just help you, and I said, no, I can do it myself, and I kept at it, and I kept at it, until I was so totally frustrated, I just destroyed the whole thing. Talk about a crash and burn. That's part of our human condition, because if the self-revelation of God, of Jesus Christ is true, what it's telling us is we can't fix our problem. 
fix our problem. And as human beings, we don't want that. Maybe the Pharisees are saying, hey, we're, we're students of Moses, and we know God revealed himself to Moses, and we've got the law, and we're doing it, and we're doing all the right things, and we are in the right heritage, we're in the right group, whatever things it might be. But for us, we want to use all of our own abilities, our own um, characteristics, our own achievements. We want to do it on our own. And the gospel, I hate to say it, says you can't. The good news first kind of bad news to the old part of us that wants to go on our own. But then God does it for us in Christ as a gift. And so man, can we be open to at least the possibility of receiving this gift? And then at the end, it's so powerful where Jesus says, because you say you see, you're blind. What will it take humble us. When we see the brokenness of life and we see our own frailties and failings, don't get even harder. Go to the cross. What will it take to humble us? I hope you know, whatever happens in life, we can go to the cross. And I don't want to pretend in any way that this COVID-19 pandemic was sent by God because it wasn't in any direct way, just like any other natural disaster, horrible thing. But when we encounter anything that shows us our frailty, that's, we need to be humble. And a little virus has stopped our powerful country and our amazing world has stopped us in our tracks. In this moment of being stopped in our tracks, I pray we'll look to this blind man we will remember that we were sent to a pool and we were taken to a pool and we were washed and when we were washed um, our lives were connected to Jesus Christ to his love to his grace his mercy when we were brought to this water Paul's promise is so true nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus when we get to that point, all we can do is, with the blind man, worship Jesus as our Lord. Thank him that he is with us. And I pray today that you will, um, right now, go grab some water from that sink or wherever you can find some water around you and put the sign of the cross upon your forehead, not somebody else's because of all that stuff, but put it, put it on your head. Remember your baptism and remember that nothing can separate you in this time or any time from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen.
No, we are going to do our best to partner you up, but at this point we're not completely sure of what the need will be, so this will be an ongoing process and we do invite you to participate however you can. As we move now to the time of the offering, we will be posting ways for you to give. You may continue to give online, you can continue to mail checks to the church, Whatever you do, it will be received by us and by God with grace.
maybe out loud wherever you are, maybe typing them in, maybe silently in your heart. But we invite you to join with us now as we pray for the church, the world, and all those in need. Let us pray. Dear God, we pray today for our country. We lift up our government, our leaders, our schools, our communities. We pray for them to you. mercy. Hear yeah, our prayer. And God, we pray for those in our lives who grieve. We pray for those who are ill, whether in body, mind, or spirit. We pray, Lord, for the needs of those we love, including all who are on the bulletin prayer list in our community here at Silverdale Lutheran Church. We lift those to you now.
Thanks to God.